Hi, and welcome to the podcast. We actually just got done recording. We didn't start with the intro, but it is Wednesday, September 29th. We had to keep putting off some scheduling drops. Um, mostly me, but yeah, we're all together now. Um, Caitlin Durbin, a great writer, a great reporter, journalist for The Blade, who unfortunately, unfortunately for me, because I think Caitlin's a great girl and great at her job, and it sucks that we keep losing really talented people from The Blade, because they are, in my opinion, and I think in this case my opinion is very right, they're the best source of daily, exhaustive, comprehensive journalism in the area. And I'll let Caitlin tell why her work and the work of her colleagues is so important as we uh, get to the end of our conversation with her. She did a three-piece trilogy about gun violence and shared some really incredible stories um, and why we should all care about that. We'll talk to Caitlin about that and um, why she likes mushrooms so so much. And we've got some other stuff to get to as well. Um, Alex is on today, but our friend Caitlin Durbin, they're actually neighbors. Caitlin Durbin from The Blade and also Big news about her podcast from last summer called Code 18. Don't say anything nasty about Caitlin because she's here. (laughs) I snuck in. Hi, Caitlin. Hello. How you doing? Um, well, welcome everybody. This is, this is officially recording and Caitlin will, uh, since this is your exit interview, (laughs) um, We'll save the the mushroom palooza for the end, and uh, if we could get to your incredible trilogy of uh, information about gun violence in the area, um, second, Alex and I have a couple of questions about the the uh, the vaccine lady with side effects. Oh, yes. Oh, okay. Is that okay? Sure. If, is it okay if we ask those? Absolutely. Um, Alex, you can go first if you'd like to. Well, I don't have a couple questions. I, maybe, and I don't know if you can even share what it was like for you, but like, first of all, my immediate thought was, um, how do we, and let me preface this by saying, what she went through was absolutely awful. Good on her for like surviving that. I'm sure, you know what I mean? Like that is terrible, you know, what, everything that she went through. How did, is there, how do we know that that was a, a, a response to the vaccine if it was three months later, you know? Yes, that was the tricky part in my story. Um, and sure. obviously, for HIPAA reasons, the hospital couldn't confirm anything to me. But she did show me the records where, you know, it's written in her health report that it's likely related to the vaccine because they couldn't find another cause. She sure. was otherwise healthy. Um, but, you know, Dr. Kaminsky told me that usually anything outside of 30 days is not attributed to the vaccine because if you're going to have a side effect it's going to happen within that period but Uh that's usually related to um like allergic reactions Uh something like myocarditis i think takes a little longer to present and so that's why you might be seeing the longer timelines you my and i think these are the only two questions we had unless you wanted to share anything outside of what you wrote here with us today um my question was did and and you did mention it in the article how and i think you might remember this from last fall where we were seeing a lot of very healthy college athletes who got covid dealing with that that heart inflammation um and, and then that kind of passed and everybody got back to making millions of dollars on the backs of 18 to 22 year olds playing football. <laughs> um, did sh- 
could could that did did she get tested for COVID at all? And that myocarditis and whatever she was dealing with the heart inflammation could have could that have come from COVID? I asked that question myself, and she had been tested for COVID multiple times because she spent a lot of time in the hospital, so there was routine yeah. tests for that too. Um, and she was even tested for antibodies, and all of it came back negative. Okay. Wow. What an interesting, you know, what a story. Like, I mean, again, I hate to say good for you for surviving, but like, that's, I'm so happy that she was able to survive that and that you could share that story. I just, it really was interesting. I mean, one in a million for sure. And exactly. That's, I've received, you know, some mixed reviews about, you know, am I anti-vaxxer because I told the story? (laughs) Am I pro-vaccine because I, you know, I've received a lot of criticism, but my whole point is, there's no reason to minimize that there are some cases where people have reactions to the vaccine and we should all be aware of that and we could decide for ourselves you know if the risk is worth it for me it was and i'm lucky that i didn't have any adverse effects but she did so she deserves to tell her story yep good stuff um who's gonna who's gonna be on the front page of the of the paper and news slide when you leave because you've been taking up a lot of real estate there lately Oh, my talented coworkers have me covered for sure. I t- I teased uh, I teased Mary a couple weeks ago. It's gonna be it's gonna be uh, half a food paper with Mary. It's gonna be David and his clever snark doing sports, and uh, and the new guy Luke will be reporting on business openings, and that'll be the entirety of the paper. Oh. <laughs> it's I know it's getting tough, but yeah. Um, let's move on to why we originally wanted to catch up with you because you did some really fine work. Um, the last time I can remember something similar to this, and maybe it had to have been brought up to you, when uh, Taylor Dungeon, like eight years ago, did the the crime map of all the zip codes, and you did something very similar, because mm-hmm. there is a gun violence plague. I believe the number is now up to like 20 to 30, 20, murders are up 20 to 30 percent across the entire nation, mostly in cities. And you chronicled that here where we live. And as we talked about on the podcast before, I don't think anybody is surprised um, by the the results. But you did an incredible job talking to these people in these neighborhoods and telling their story. What was it like? Thank you, Eric. Um, They really started this process for me because I just happened to be driving through Toledo going to another assignment. I think it was like a 5K, like something totally off the wall. And... I see this billboard for a kid's 20th birthday. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, wow, that's quite a celebration. And then I'm like, wait a second, there's a death date. And I realized Mm -hmm. that he did not reach his 20th birthday. And so I just reached out to the family and they're telling me this story, um, really painting this picture of him as an innocent victim of circumstances. He wasn't in a gang, he wasn't involved in any crime. He was sitting on the porch of his aunt's house waiting for dinner, and he fell victim to the gun violence that surrounded him, that he just could not escape. And that really struck me. And in the process of talking to this family, they're like, well, you know, there's another kid whose billboard's just up the way. Mm. And I went and looked at that billboard. He also didn't reach his 20th birthday. That was JJ. And then they're like, oh, well, there's another billboard up the way. So there's like three billboards right in a row And I realized that a lot of times we do these individual stories of this family's grief after they lose a loved one and this family's grief. But really, it's this entire neighborhood, this collective grief that they are is constantly looming over them, literally looming in these billboards. 
Yeah. You know, from my perspective, first of all, I appreciated the way that you wrote the story because you really did give them an opportunity to tell the story from their perspective. I think that matters. And I think it means something to people who live in those neighborhoods, to people like myself, where we see stories like that. And sometimes, um, you know, they their stories are being used to get like likes and clicks compared to mm-hmm. just actually telling the story. And that's I mean, I can see that just by the fact that you knew that young man's name. You know, you just said JJ. That was JJ. You knew his name. You still know his name. And you wrote that story some time ago, I'm sure. But um, again, the way that you did that was fantastic. But it really is. Um, it's difficult for for people to live in these neighborhoods. And it's really scary um, and the families really feel the effects. Ooh, I hear an echo, Eric. I didn't do anything. I know, it just it just popped off for me, too. <laughs> okay. Let's see, was it me? I don't think so. Okay. Um, okay. Sorry about that. Can you, like, share with us when you were interacting with the family, what, what was it like kind of interacting with them? Can you tell me, um, you know, was yeah. it, was the mood were they were they comfortable with talking to you about this i have to imagine there's a certain amount of living in this neighborhood and feeling these and experiencing these things but being afraid to talk about it because you yourself could become a victim of some sort of crime or be looked at differently from your peers and your neighbors surrounding you you know it really varied from family to family um Jeezy's family was very welcoming and because he was such an innocent victim um, mm-hmm. They were willing to share everything about their lives. Um, they were very candid. Literally, his sister said to me, hey, keep your head on a swivel. There could be a drive-by anytime <laughs> around here. Like, that was just normal for them. Um, yeah. So she was very open and talking about their lifestyle. Um, Chris Carrington's family also was extremely open. They were willing to talk about him being in a gang, and his brother admitted that, yeah, he was up to some things that, he shouldn't have been and that put him at higher risk but it didn't make him any less of a person and it didn't mean that he deserved um, to die the way that he did because he also was inadvertently struck by gunfire he was not the target um jj's family was a little bit more guarded um they actually said to me it was all women in this interview his aunties Mm. his cousins mother all women and they said to me if men get involved in this, it's gonna start a gang war. So you notice that other than the family, other than really Quentin Carrington, Skilo, you don't get a lot of male voices in the series mm-hmm. because men are treated differently in Toledo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we, in a sense, do have a blank check of like $180 million. And I know uh, the city held a bunch of meetings to decide how some of that should be spent and there's been a pretty strong chorus over the summertime we've talked about it of just fix up neighborhoods and it's amazing how how crime will find other places to go and leave these neighborhoods what do a lot of these people that you spoke to what would they like to see housing is number one i know i circled back with skilo's family um just the week the series ran and his son, his oldest son, is getting ready to get out of juvie, and he's had a lot of trouble in juvie, getting in fights, and he's there because he like, was involved in crime and took police on a police chase. Um, and he just says, I want to move so that my son can come back to a better environment, but I don't have the money for housing. 
So even when they're trying to create a better circumstance, they're having trouble. So that, mm -hmm. that was huge. Um, a huge point for me that stuck out is they want housing. But also I noticed the city's putting a ton of money into activities for youth. Mm -hmm. Everything is geared towards children. And that makes a lot of sense to prevent crime and prevent people from entering a gang um, early. But I seem to get the sense, even among residents, that some of the older kids and young mm -hmm. adults are too far gone. Mm -hmm. And so not enough is being done to help them now. And they're the one that's going to raise the next generation. So I, you know, I'm, I really appreciate you saying that. And I'm not going to pat myself on the back, but this has been an ongoing conversation for us on the podcast and an ongoing conversation I have with people just in the community in general. And I think that I've always said that having some sort of direct path to job training that leads to um, like a stable job and a stable income can really make the difference. Like, so, um, and that, that's not just for the youth. Like that's not just for the teens that may be able to go to Penta and be trained in something. That's also for the adults the young mm -hmm. adults, the people making these decisions. You also have to think about some of the parents and, and that's some, I, like, I'm curious if any of the family have been able to talk about some of the traumas that they experienced when they were children or if there was anything that they know had happened in their household that their kids saw. I mean, some of these young adults, like these young men that are 16, 17, 18 years old, they're seeing traumatic things happen around them and we know it's a evidence-based you know, practice that childhood trauma affects your brain it affects their ability to be able to critically think at times it affects their ability to develop and mature to not make those decisions of entering a gang gang or making better decisions for yourself in the long run and into adulthood and sometimes when you see and experience so many traumatic things from the point of you know eight nine ten years old up into your late teens you your brain has changed your ability to make better decisions has legitimately changed once you're a young adult. It's really, it honestly, it's very difficult. And thank you for saying housing as well. Cause so yeah. was he thinking like home ownership kind of housing is he's having a problem with? Yes, yeah, he wants mm. to move to a better area, but those areas are more costly and he doesn't have the money. Yeah. Caitlin, um, I, I understand and we applauded the city and I wish the city got more credit and hopefully uh, TSA got a lot of love in whatever way for coordinating a lot of these activities at the city parks all summer long. And maybe next year we just have to do an even better job, a louder job of saying there are things to do. There's food to eat. Come, come enjoy yourself to, to the kids so we can stop these kids and show them. Um, positive things to do rather than getting into trouble and being bored in gangs. And I, I realized that um, the 20-year-olds, the 30-year-olds, some mm -hmm. feel like they're a lost cause, so we, we can't target them to help them. But if you, if somebody, from your experience of talking to these people, if you went into these neighborhoods and said, hey, Amazon will hire you tomorrow, give you a $1,000 bonus, and give you benefits from day one, do you think more than enough people would take advantage of this opportunity because to get out of these neighborhoods, there are plenty of jobs that are hiring right now, even if it's nothing more than that very first step. Yeah, I hear that a lot. Um, but I think you also have to remember, I was raised with a different work ethic than some of these people get to see in their households. And that cannot be understated because 
you know, showing up for a job on time is a learned trait. And also you have to think, do they have the transportation to get there? Reliable transportation. I mean, there are so many other factors. It's not just, is there a job or isn't there? There's so many other things that go into what allows someone to be successful and what allows them to take advantage of the resources that are already available. Yeah, it's a good point. Alex, are, is there enough, like with a place like what you do or NPI or anybody that can line all those things up? So, you know, that's a really good question. There are some emerging um, like area nonprofits and, and men that are starting businesses to help black men in the community and not the youth. There's enough resources for the youth. Those black men, the early 20s, late 20s and the 30s that are looking for guidance. There's organizations that are coming forward with supports for individuals who fit that criteria. I think they do need to start, you know, creating opportunities and services that involve tra just transportation to a job. You know, and if you if you work with us to get transported to your job X amount of days a week, we'll also provide you with some sort of bonus that helps your family, some sort of incentive around that. I would say, though, we need to take it beyond like potentially taking advantage of um, Amazon. I think Amazon is absolutely a great opportunity and things like Amazon and warehouses FedEx, those are great opportunities, but something that's beyond that. So something that's on the track to maybe management, something that's at an organization where you are getting paid more than, I saw something the other day and they said, black people, myself included, like we were raised on thinking like getting paid $20 an hour or $22 an hour was doing something with our lives. And now we're living a life where getting paid 20 and $22 an hour is not something that can sustain a family in 2021. Right? right, it's good, but it's not great. And, and so when we get to that dollar amount, we think we have won and it's not the same. So like larger organizations, Dana, like you know, Owens Corning, those places where you can have a career. Not only can you have a job, but you can have a career off of that and seeing a path. Like I'm sitting here like visualizing something with my hand, like seeing the yellow brick road that we will walk with you along this path to this end. And this end result will give you this amount of money per year to be able to raise your family. And we're going to support you getting there as well. And not just allowing you the opportunity, but we're going to walk it with you. That's really important for multiple organizations and companies in our area to buy into and really buy into it and mean it, you know? I agree, but I also think in my experience talking to these residents, more emphasis needs to be put into explaining what's available to them because when i talk yeah. to them i'm like oh did you know that this you know american recovery plan money is is coming to add youth activities that you're asking for and they have no idea that it even exists or how to access mm -hmm. it mm -hmm. uh that you know it's funny alex did you just get my text message i'm going to disconnect and come back okay okay for the echo uh caitlin that's not a terrible uh Wow, I'm getting echo too. Um, that's not a terrible way to segue into uh, you're you're leaving soon. You're going to Cleveland.com, right? I am. Um, Yay! <laughs> I'm from Cleveland. Oh, awesome! This will be my first time like living in the city, so I'm starting from scratch. Oh, oh good! I can share whatever you need to know. And Eric, it's not my echo. Yeah, I don't I don't know why it's doing that today. We'll we'll just continue to work around it. Um, Caitlin, I know you said that these people didn't know a lot about these things. People of all demographics don't know as much as they really could for a variety of reasons. Uh, the fragmentation of media, some of the barriers that are, are, are up for, 
for media. And those are those are like philosophical. Those are business practices. Um, I wish we could all get together and find better ways to get information to the public. And unfortunately, if I had to if I had to point the finger at something, it's social media because the, the algorithms send you pictures and stories of nonsensical things rather than, than the really important things like, hey, there is a meeting down the street at your library and they want to know how to make the community better because there's a blank check. But instead... You see that uh, there's another NBA player who believes in aliens more than vaccinations. Yeah, it is disappointing, especially as much work as we're putting into trying to keep our community informed, and it's not always reaching them. Yeah. Um, we could really talk about that whole thing for, for hours on end. What were some of your, uh, your to go back and wrap up um, the gun violence trilogy you did, any final takeaways that you have um, thought about over the last couple of weeks or feedback you've gotten? Yeah, for me, um, I just, I get so disappointed in hearing some of the criticism of the series. I realize we put so much emphasis into this idea that you should be able to pull yourself up by the bootstraps and mm -hmm. make the best of a bad situation. And not enough focus is on preventing that situation in the first place. And so I just wish that, you know, the people can use this series and this information to hone in on, on areas where small changes can make a big impact so that we actually can end this gun violence because nothing else has been working. Yeah, it, you know, there's you're always going to have those critics who are going to say things like that from their seats of privilege. Um, I mean, we can admit to to generational things being cyclical all the time. Like we can admit to like um, addiction and alcoholism that we know goes as well into the suburbs. We know that sometimes that can be a cycle. And if you are a parent that suffers from some sort of addiction, then there's a, like a larger likelihood your child will. The same thing goes for poverty and, and living in areas where violence is, is likely or happens. People just don't want to admit to it that way. And they think that like, um, black people or people living in these neighborhoods have more opportunities than other people to take advantage of. But sometimes that really just isn't the case. And um, it's um, unfortunately, there's always going to be those kinds of critics. I think your work was really well done. And it was a great story, especially when you were sharing that, like, while we see billboards and signs that say you'll do better in Toledo, that's not the same sentiment for people who are living in these neighborhoods, living in fear on a daily basis. And I, I, Eric and I talk about this and I have always said, we all need to care about this. Like we all need to take it personally and we all need to care because while you may not be living on that block or the block next door, you certainly live five minutes away or 10 minutes away from some of these neighborhoods and you need to care just as much. Right. And, you know, cut me off if I go too long on this, but um, <laughs> one of the things that the residents would say to me, Jeezy's family, they called me Hollywood because I lived mm. in Perrysburg and I don't I don't have to worry about gun violence when I step out my front door. And in fact, if there was a shooting, that would be just completely shocking, mm -hmm. um, which is totally different from their experience. And I made that comment to Chief Crawl that that gun violence is not going up where I live 
And he was like, he totally disagreed with me and said that, you know, gun violence and violence and crime in general is going up everywhere. It's just mm. some people have a heightened perception of it. And I'm like, no, no. look at this map. It's not, <laughs> this map shows you it's not equally distributed across the city. Homicides are not going up in Toledo. Homicides are going up in certain parts of Toledo. Caitlin, one of the things that struck me as we wrap the discussion about your, your, your pieces um, was, as, as I've thought from the outset of the pandemic, all it did was it, 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 it put things on nuclear fuel. It made the good better. It made the bad worse. And in the past where maybe one kid or one person was hit by a wayward bullet because people were just acting stupid... People are a lot more bored now. They have a lot more free time. Times are a lot more tough. So instead of one bullet maybe hitting someone, as you've already articulated in your story, it's three and four and five because people are just biding their time with with guns and these innocent people are are losing their lives. To your point, whether or not it's murder or not, there are certainly more guns being fired in these neighborhoods. And even if it's just clowning around or, or we're talking about, you know, actual person-on-person violence, the more guns that get fired, the more chances are that innocent bystanders get hit. And those billboards are evidence of that. And that's exactly why I phrased the series the way that I did. The Columbus study looked at how many um, persons were injured in shootings. Well, that doesn't when I did it here, I did how many shots were fired total because Mm -hmm. that's your risk when you step outside of your door. Just because they missed you doesn't mean that it's any less safe. Yeah. Right. I'm curious if, and I know, Eric, I know you're trying to wrap it up, and I know that this is not something that we can, that can probably be done, but it, it might be an interesting conversation a couple years from now. We remember when the pandemic was happening, when it first started, at least I remember because I, I am a gun owner, I admit to that, and I live in a, a household where, you know, we, guns are our lifestyle based on where we came from. However, um, during the pandemic, there were like lines that were hours long, even in Toledo, for people that were buying firearms. There were more firearms being bought. There were more bullets being bought at a really high rate. You people were going to other states and other parts of the, the state to get firearms because they could not get them in their neighborhood, but they were being brought back to the neighborhoods. And I was concerned even at that time that there were going to be more shootings and more um, violence that was happening because more people had guns in their hands and didn't necessarily have the training skills and ability to to know when the when the appropriate time is to use it. I know that sounds crazy, but a perfect example that woman whose home was broken into and she shot the man. You know, self defense, uh, like mm-hmm. defending your home, those kinds of things. We find that there's like shootings on Monroe Street right outside a Target during the middle of the day because of road rage road rage shootings up at Central and McCord, you know, those kinds of things. Like how many of how much of that is going to increase and shootings in some of these neighborhoods because so many more people now own firearms that did not own firearms prior to 2020. Right. I know that's a huge issue and something that Chief mm-hmm. Cross raised numerous times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I agree with you, Perrysburg. Are, Eric, Caitlin, are you the person that lives at the same property as me? Yes. Yes. God damn it. I did not put two and two together. Yeah, I agree with you. There is, there's no crime out there. Um, not at all. <laughs> what, uh, do you want to have, do you have any, Alex, did you 
you remember or did you so last year Caitlin, Caitlin was on the podcast to talk about her podcast Code 18 which was an unsolved crime here in the area um, I don't think I was on at that time uh, it was in the middle that of day summer at time Caitlin do you have news about Code 18 I do <laughs> perfect oh. timing um, so I have a story coming out and I'm going to be doing an update episode of the podcast before I leave on Friday um, the fa Darrow family did meet with prosecutors uh, yesterday and they got some news about where the case is going to be going. So I'm going to be sharing that with all of you before I leave. Awesome. Just look for Code 18 on any podcast platform. And if you're a true crime person, and many people are, this is a local uh, true crime story that Caitlin was on and I know a lot of people wanted to know where it was going to go and that's great news that, that you've got another episode to drop with that with some new information. Yes, my final gift. <laughs> to Toledo. Well done. Um, well, fun stuff. What are you going to miss about here? <laughs> oh my goodness. I loved living in Toledo. I had so much fun here. I made some great friends. Um, I'm going to miss the giant mushrooms on oh, Village Idiot it. Pizza. <laughs> no. It is. It's my favorite pizza. It's just the mushrooms themselves that I have the problem with. I know Village, <laughs> Village Idiot, I would say a little overrated, but very good. I love it. It's my favorite pizza in the city. Um, but I'm just going to miss so much about this town. I've made some great friends, and the community was so welcoming and sharing mm. their lives with me. And I took rowing classes on the Maumee last <laughs> summer. I mean, I've just, I've loved it here. Rowing on the Maumee is actually a really good time. I've done that before as well. And it's really cool to be on a river, but in the middle of the city. So downtown is your backdrop. That's nice. I mean, it was a little concerning when they had to cancel class because the water was so toxic that they couldn't <laughs> risk us falling in, but the rest of it was great. Well, listen, the Cuyahoga caught fire at one point, so you'll be, you'll be in good company. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. Um, to go back to your soon-to-be former employer, um, whenever an issue comes up, like after January 6th with all that nonsense and, and Jay was on for a couple of minutes, um, I always try to say support, you can support the writers and the incredibly hard work that they do. Um, and you don't have to support the blocks themselves, but know that, that people like you and your soon to be former coworkers and where you're going are just trying to get us information. And it's, can, I, I just want you to be a cheerleader for who, for your job and what you do right now, because when we talk about it, it's the same thing over and over again. You're doing it, and you know what you do it because you know how important it is. And I want you to talk about that now. Yeah, I make the same argument um, when I talk to people because obviously there are a lot of problems with the blade, and and reporters <laughs> are leaving, but the ones that remain. Um, we're the ones doing this work. I saw this story under fire series and I told them I believe in this and I think it's worthwhile to pursue and they let me. And so mm. there are opportunities um, for good journalism to happen here and it needs to happen here. And that's why you need to continue to support my colleagues and just all of the reporters that come to the blade later um, because the community is going to suffer without without a reliable newspaper um, to provide the information that they need. Like this series would not have happened 
if people did not support me or the blade in part. So take yeah. that for what it's worth. Yeah. And you were such a voice for people in that neighborhood too, and that's really important. Um, Thank you. I'll just echo my earlier sentiment. Don't let Facebook serve you your news. <laughs> it requires a little bit of effort, but please, like, scan our anybody that disseminates, you know, quality local news, which is most of our most of our places. Um, I know it might not be the kind of thing that you're going to drop comments on or get you all fired up or have internet arguments, but it's the stuff that you need to know. Maybe it's just for plans for the weekend, something you didn't know about, or something more important that like what Caitlin worked on. And that's can, why our, our local media sources are so invaluable. Can you share what you're excited about for Cleveland? I'm going to be taking on a brand new beat. I'm actually going to be covering county government there. So this is a new adventure for me, and I'm just excited to see what stories come out of it. Are you the man who's been there for ages. Ooh, his son, his grandson actually just passed from gun violence. I, so. I told them that this series I just did could easily yeah. apply to Cleveland. Frank Jackson, yeah, it absolutely can. Are you going to have to sit in, like, boring council meetings like Sarah Elms has thrown <laughs> her life away doing? <laughs> I, I am going to be sitting in meetings, oh. but my goal is to make them less boring by finding good stories out of them. Stories that, you know, people are going to care about. Oh, th oh, there'll be plenty of stories, but when you're sitting in those mind-numbing meetings, you will be bored to tears. Oh, I'm starting with the uh, budget committee hearing, so. Oh. <laughs> Good oh, luck. God. Oh, well, when, if you ever, if you're really bored and you're tired of that paint drying, you can come back here and cover our water situation. <laughs> if I come back, I'm coming back for some big news on the podcast. Code 18. There you go. Awesome. All right, Caitlin, thanks for the time. I will, uh, I'll, I'll be in touch. I'll catch up with you, okay? That sounds great. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Caitlin. Good Bye -bye. luck, Caitlin. Thank you. Walk over to your neighbor's house and say goodbye to her. I, you know what? I couldn't. Eat. I didn't even put two and two together. As soon as she said I live in Perrysburg, I said, oh, my goodness, this must be her. And I know that we, like, text back and forth um, at some point, but th there was never, like, any kind of continuation. Might I add, it was her that was echoing, not me. I'm always blamed for the technical problems here. So there's that. And also Chief Crawl, like, come on, like, you know better. You are not to blame for the increased violence in the city of Toledo. So you don't need to deflect and pretend like this is happening in other parts of our area. It's not. Come on, Chief Crawl, you're better than that. We love you here. I don't know if it isn't, though, but when people are shooting things in Perrysburg, it's just not as big a story. And, I, and, so, and, and we know how those communities can quiet things down real fast. I mean, not to say I know all things Perrysburg, but I feel like I have a handle on it and I don't, it just does it just doesn't happen. Okay. Like when you, when you hear sirens where I live, like we are, like we actively go to our window to look out the window because it literally never happens. So... Well, and you're you're really off the beaten path of like I mean you're you're closer to wolves than you are people, <laughs> coyotes. But yes, coyotes. Sorry, um, we can still go a little bit if you have time. But I want to do a quick traffic. I do. Uh, I, I want to hit a, hit a traffic. Okay. Sure. Just one accident at the moment, Talmadge, at 475. We've got a call in about that. We'll watch that area for slowdowns. If you see something we don't, let us know. That's your Cumulus Toledo right now traffic. 
Um, okay, so uh, so you don't have COVID, nor are you pregnant, right? Uh, <laughs> so there was never a pregnancy scare, but no, I don't have COVID, and I am not pregnant. I have to go see my OBGYN, in fact, in two weeks I have an appointment. So uh, you, maybe like me, whatever it was last month, just had some, you know, what, fall cold symptoms, maybe a- allergies? So I think, um, I don't know, it was not allergies. I was on the go last week. Like you and I were pretty aligned with just like how our mind and body was shutting down because of everything that we did. So we we had dinner on Wednesday and then we had dinner on Thursday and it was rest night for me Friday. And then Saturday morning, I was up at a soccer game in the pouring rain, by the way, it was raining bucket Saturday morning. And then, you know, went, came home, handled some responsibilities, tried to take a nap. And then I was out with Philip and the rest of the crew Saturday night, Ashley included until like 3 a.m. And then, you know, had stuff I had to help my mom clean her garage on um, Sunday. Speaking of Cleveland, I found mom's mom saved the plane dealers um, story of the September 11th um, Twin Towers. Like she has the original newspaper from September 12th. And I'm just like, this might be worth something. Anyway, um, so I just, there was a lot of coming and going. Like my body was just like, bitch, slow down. Now I'm going to give you a cold because you just did all of that. You're welcome. Yeah, it makes sense. Um. (laughs) She's cruel. She's cruel. She's cruel. So um, I went to uh, Unison today. And I did this assessment as I'm on the hunt for a, a new therapist. Mm-hmm. And um, I've done these assessments assessments before. I've actually done a couple of mock ones with a friend of mine. And been and, and I didn't make anything up. I, I just did it as if I were her patient. That's um, just like you to do a mock assessment, Eric. My God. <laughs> <laughs> but it was uh, it, it was it was interesting. Yeah. I guess. Um, I guess there were a couple of quite. It was weird when she asked me, "What are your strengths?" <laughs> um, that that's not a question I was expecting. Then she asked, "What what are my weaknesses?" And uh, I was curious. I was as forthcoming as I as I could be um, about like alcohol use. And then I did ask her at the end. I was like, "Am I an alcoholic?" <laughs> um, uh, no. And, and I was like, "I." She didn't. She seemed to nod along when I said, I'm a boredaholic, not an alcoholic. Hmm. Um, it, it, it seems to be like if you're drunk every day, is that alcoholism or are there, there other signs of it? Um, it's it's the, the other signs of it. Like even if you're somebody that gets a little buzz every day, that's still not considered alcoholism. And, you know, from my studies and like what I kind of gauge if you have if you begin to have negative consequences and you still turn to alcoholism or you still turn to alcohol despite that like so if you um, are getting written up at your job for coming into work late or if you are you know coming into work smelling like alcohol and you still do those things or if you're losing interpersonal relationships based on your alcohol use or if you are paying your rent late because your money is going to alcohol like that's when you know, addiction and alcoholism discussion is coming into play. If you're somebody that's just like maintaining um, and you're getting like a little bit of a buzz daily, but it's not really affecting your day-to-day life or those around you, then it's just a a habit that you have. So you're basically telling me I really need to up my alcohol usage if I really want to dive into alcoholism. 
No. Okay. I don't, <laughs> none of those things, uh, no, there are no ill effects that you, yeah. No, I would check no boxes. But the, and I, I only ask, and I, I wanted her to make that assessment because as she went down the list, she was like impressed with my, what is mm-hmm. it, um, my straight edgeness. Mm. She's like, do you smoke? Do you? I was like, lady, I have never put a cigarette in my mouth. Um, yeah. like all the questions. So I had no barometer of like, where was I on the scale? Like the only negative things I know about me are, are the mental health issues that I, that I'm, I'm constantly challenged with. Like all the other stuff I don't know. So I wanted her to ask every single uh, gamut of questions she could go down for what could be, you know, influencing my life in negative ways. But it was, you- uh, it was interesting. You're very regimented and in a way that a lot of people just are not. And it's it's a really good quality, almost where it's like, okay, where's the problem here? Like, what's wrong? You know what I mean with you? But it's just your mind. Like, it's that part of mental illness that people don't consider it like you would heart disease or like, you know, lupus. Like, it's just your it's just your mind sometimes brings you down to low places and you have to work to get it back. You know yeah, what I mean? I had told her and... I already am rather verbose as is. Um, And I know that she can make any kind of intuition from body language and all this other stuff. And she's observing. And I could Mm -hmm. tell from her that she was observing and was going to pay attention to everything. It's part of the assessment. Um, But, like, I'm sure there are some people who are more lackadaisical about that and just go down the list of questions. I could tell that she was engaged. with me but I was explaining to her I was like look I changed my medication and I have my mind has been unpredictable like Mm. just when I thought I settled into a new normal like something else changes and I, I told her the other day I was like I wasn't concerned but I was surprised that I had this brain fog where I left my debit card, Tim Hortons, and I ran a red light. Those are totally out of character things for me because I'm almost, I'm not the daydreamer type, not in those kinds of situations. Uh-huh. Um, but I, I and I, I hope she can connect me with the woman that uh, Amanda told me about so I can work on some techniques to corral my mind because I really don't, I'm, I'm thinking now about like what everybody else thinks about. Like, I don't want to do medication or I don't want to change this, even though the benefits are potentially there and I'm not opposed to them. But at this point, I want to work on some more advanced mental techniques before I go playing with medication dosages again. Do you feel like you are someone that is constantly searching for that feeling of being and feeling okay? And like, if you could define what feeling being and feeling okay is like, what would that be for you? I have no idea, okay. um, but um, since I've since I now can get off or live on six or seven hours of sleep and not want to take a nap every day, I'm more acutely aware of the things that that aren't great in my life. Um, mm-hmm. And as I, and this always happens, I run down this list to this woman, and I was like, I just gave you like an hour's worth of great qualities, friendships finances, job stability, um, 
I want to be able to enjoy the good life that I have. And my brain does not allow me to do that. And, and I think I've told you this before. And Amanda had actually pointed it out. And I, I wrote a long Facebook blog post back in January. Um, depression has robbed me of my mm-hmm. ability to more deeply enjoy things. And I don't That's enjoy true. things like I did a long time ago. And I get it. You know, the brain changes mm-hmm. from from being a teenager to an adolescent to a young person, blah, blah, blah. But there's very little that I enjoy now. And I feel like I just go from thing to thing until, you know, time runs out so I could go to sleep or drink myself to sleep on a Sunday afternoon when I'm in a fog. But I did tell her, I was like, the alcohol does remove the depression's grip on my ability to enjoy things. And it's not a social anxiety thing. It's not a, I need a drink to loosen up kind of thing. It actually allows me to feel more as opposed to being completely like nihilistic and apathetic in most situations. But you're right. And like, while, while we can say from a clinical perspective, like you are not in the realm of alcoholism, you there are you know when you're giving someone like a diagnosis you have to just like medics anything medical medically related you have to meet you know say there's like eight criteria you have to meet like three or four of those to have a diagnosis and you're not at that point but you know like you're smart enough and that's that impressive piece of you you understand and so you know that I do turn to alcohol so that depression doesn't take everything from me or so that I can feel some of the things that depression takes from me so you know like it shouldn't be that way so you know the searching for what's going on so that it doesn't have so it doesn't be like that is Like, I understand it. I get it. But I do think... Go ahead. All all the the mental health issues and and, and alcohol use, like, all that stuff is progressive. And I actually told Pam a couple of weeks ago, and I was talking, I was like, I'd like to come see you so... I don't make all these daily ideations into an act by the time I'm 60, which is not that far off. By the way, you're pretty, you're about the same closeness to 50, so shut the hell up. (laughs) You knew it was coming. (laughs) If if I don't nip this stuff now and, and fight back as I did six or seven years ago with a serious jump into medication that really, really helped me, like, I'm going to have some serious serious lethal issues my dad will be gone maybe my brother and tracy will be in their own little family my close friends maybe will have dived into their family i who knows what will happen with the job and the industry like this could quickly accelerate into a path of daily suicidal ideations or imaginations into one day i'm not here anymore You know, it doesn't have to and take it a day at a time. Like, I know that sounds so cliche and I know like even myself, sometimes I just like roll my eyes to it, but it's really true. Like that it doesn't have to be this way just as much as it could become very bad um, by the time you're 60 you could completely turn things around at the same time. There's no telling that like by the time you're 60, you can really pay attention to where you're at mentally and like what your life looks like and reflect back on like how difficult of a time you had or how much work you put into to get yourself to this place. So you could just as well be in a a different and a better place. I know I'm that like optimistic friend glass is half full friend but it really is true and I have to tell my own self those things like I'm saying that to you because I have to say that to myself too and say it to other people in my life like it doesn't have to be you know your future doesn't have to be like 
hopeless just because things aren't going well right now. And while you're doing the work to improve it, even if it doesn't improve now or like later, it doesn't mean that that's what it's going to be by the time you're 60. Unless I'm, if, if I'm not proactive, it, it will be. Maybe. But that's why I'm taking this big step to, to involve a, a new, new help in my life. That's um, correct. And I, I misspoke. Like with all your stuff, if you get to 45, you will be lucky. It's a miracle. Right. <laughs> if I'm able to birth a child, I will be grateful. Yeah, that's uh, sorry. I was thinking of something else. Um, so I finished up Goliath last night. Tonight is Squid Game, and I have multiple people. Josh asked me about it. My friend Liz said she was watching it, and I'm getting like they're like people's descriptions of this things of this thing is all over the place. So I'm very oh wait, tonight's Chicago night. So I'll dive in tomorrow. But I am excited, even if this Squid Game show really? does not appeal to me. I am excited to see kind of like how wild and crazy this thing is. So do people like it in general? I mean, it's the number one show on Netflix and. But that could come from curiosity alone. Like, you know, it, it's, people it, it sounds like it's the kind of thing like what in the world am I watching? It, 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 like, is it a car accident type thing or is it actually enthralling? So I, I'm curious to jump into it. I'll have to start that too. I have not. I mean, I'm just like, what the hell? Just by the name itself, I just refuse to watch it. So, and nobody is texting me about it, but I'm upset because that means you're not going to watch Midnight Mass for a while. I don't know about that. I, I, I'll, I'll, trust me with what you told me about it. Like you sold me hook, line and sinker. Like it's, it's not like, oh, I'll get to it. Um, like some other things you might've suggested. Like I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it. Oh, good. Oh, good. Okay. Well, can we all give me like, um, can everybody who's listening send me good vibes for Friday? Because this is, I'm just ready to get this out of the way. Let's get this done, Eric. What's We're Friday? Gonna book it. I book my wedding venue. Oh. I have to hunger games it out and like call them right at 9 a.m. and make sure nobody else has the same idea as me. <laughs> Trying to think if there's anything sinister we can do to assure your placement for your wedding date or or if it becomes just a party date at that point so i this is this is how my mind works everybody i mean people understand this who have anxiety like you get a headache and you automatically think you have a brain aneurysm or you feel like painting your leg and you're like oh my god it's a blood clot my legitimate thought right now is what if this person or what if somebody at the metro park they're getting married and so they think that they take precedence <laughs> And they've already reserved it for themselves. Like, what if I find, you know what I mean? Like, what if somebody else also had, because October 1st of 2022 is probably going to be a popular date because, you know, that's pretty cool to say my wedding anniversary is on the 1st. Uh, Kevin and Ashley's wedding anniversary is on the 1st. So we're going to, uh, of October, we'll be sharing that date. So, um, like, I'm slightly terrified that somebody else there has already got that in mind and they're securing it for themselves, you know? You know how, like, you work at a shoe store and there's a really popular shoe and you take that shoe and put it to the side in your size because you know you're going to buy it at the end of the day? <laughs> like, what if they do the same thing, Eric? Lord, help me. I don't think you're being neurotic. I think that that's a, a very real possibility with a hot new venue. Um, exactly. And then at that point, that, that they'll either have to have two affairs that day or that person will have to be willing to share the day with you. 
I mean, unless they've, like I said, like, unless I call at 9am and they're like, I'm sorry, somebody beat you to it. And then like, I'm just shit out of luck because we're reserving it for the entire day from 9am to 1130 or 11pm. So like, what if the entire time it was never something that could happen for me? So if anybody listens, has a contact at the Toledo Metro Parks, like, help me out. <laughs> I'm so, I think this is, I tend, you tell me, like, I tend to be a very laid back person for everything else. Everyone's like, how's the wedding planning going? I'm like, eh, I don't care. It's not like, it's just a wedding. But this is the one thing that I feel like just needs to go right, you know? No, I think you're totally, I don't think you're being irrational or erratic. I think you're allowed to have your one thing, especially when it comes to most people's biggest day of their life. You can have your mm-hmm. one thing for that. Like we found my dress. I haven't bought it yet. And, the, you know, everyone's, aren't you concerned? What if it's sold out? What if you can't get it? Then I'll find another one. You know, like even for the, I'm just like, I'll find another one. I will not find another Glass City Metro Park Pavilion on the 1st of October. I don't know. The way they keep throwing up Metro Parks, there might be another one next year. <laughs> not in that location with I downtown know. as a backdrop. And uh, I, my God, not there. Um, One thing, uh, I forgot you were talking about events and affairs and what you're going to wear. And uh, Kimberly roped me into her celebrity waiter night or bartender night. Oh, that's nice. She's coming on the podcast tomorrow to talk about it. Oh, what time? Three o'clock. You want to join? Yeah, I'll surprise her. Don't tell her I'm going to join. Okay. Wait, what do I have on my calendar? Hold on. Let me look. I have nothing tomorrow. Um, It was, it's like some Vegas theme and... (laughs) <laughs> right after I committed, I was like, wait, what do I have to wear? And she's like, everyone is getting like over the top Elvis stuff. I was like, you know, I'm busy Ooh. that day. She's like, you can wear jeans and a Spider-Man shirt. I'm like, I'm back on. She did that on purpose. Her bachelorette party was supposed to be in Las Vegas and that's not happening. I'm like, she did that on purpose, Vegas theme. That has Kimberly written all over it. Well, I you, love it. You can grill her on that tomorrow. Where is it? I always confuse the two. It's, it's, they're roughly in the same area. They both start with P. It's either at the premiere or the pinnacle. Oh, gotcha. Okay. And it is on, let me check my calendar. She didn't like mention it to you or ask you to come? No, no, not at all. I'm, I'm uh, not the celebrity of the two of us. You are, so. But you're like one of her closest friends. Right? <laughs> right? I, I'm sure she would. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm sure she will tell me, but I, when is it? Is it close? Tuesday, October 19th at 5 o'clock at the premiere. Oh, yeah, I'm, sh- I'm sure she'll tell me in the next couple of days. The premiere, which is where I've been going to help Matt make his food, so. Yeah, I know exactly where that is. Um, all right, I will uh, I'll catch up with you later on tonight. Okay, bye-bye.